This podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. The conversations are of a general nature and do not qualify as financial or tax advice. We recommend before you make any financial decisions, you consult a licensed professional. Individuals on the podcast may hold positions in the companies discussed. Welcome to episode 56 of The Numbers Game. I'm Jason and I'm here with Marty and Nick. And guys, we are pumped. This is another new segment that we're bringing to you where we're going to break away and go and interview people separately. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Walker Digital. If you need someone who can walk the digital talk, they are your team to go to for all your social media needs. Uh, Marty, tell us a little bit about today's episode. Who have we got where you've broken off and interviewed by yourself? Uh, fill us in. What's happening? Yeah, well, I'm really pumped about this episode. I interviewed uh, Trevor Hendy, who's a six-time World Ironman champion uh, in the 90s. Anyone in the 90s, early 90s, late 80s would know the name. Incredible guy, he's part of the Australian Hall of Fame. Uh, he's won an Order of Australia. Like legitimately anything this guy touched turned to gold back then. But he talks about his story in depth in, in regards to the transitions he went through with his own ego and how he came out the other side. Now he actually uh, mentors people. He's been a great mentor to me over the years. And I think every time I talk to Trevor, I come away and just have a different perspective about life and even my own behaviours. And I think given our listener base is, you know, professionals, uh, people listening in, business owners, I think what's good about this episode is it makes you really reflect on why you're doing the things you do and how to get that fulfilment out of what you do regardless of of where your focus is and uh it makes you ask bigger questions so he's now he's now obviously a mentor he runs trevorhendy.com um fascinating conversation and i think you're going to get a lot out of it so without further ado boys uh let's play Trevor Hendy, welcome to the Numbers Game. Great to have you on, my friend. Thanks, Marty, mate. So good to be with you. Um, as you know, I love you as a human being and love any time we've ever spent together. So it's really cool to, to get back on a call together and talk about things because things are always evolving. So, mate, thanks for having me. Well, and even more so the last couple of years, which I'm sure we'll, we'll dig into. Yep. But look, Trevor, something I always admired um, from you, and I like. I first heard of you, obviously, as, as you know, a world champion mm. and on the big stage, uh, winning all these events. And I know Andy Meikle, who used to compete against you in the Ironman. Uh, and back in my corporate days, he would say, you know, Andy would always finish seventh. He was always trying to run a good race. And he said there was something about Trevor that always transcended, like he would always trust himself. He'd always go for you know, go for the win and there'd always be that moment in a race where mm. uh, he would just transcend. So you do, you could blow up and finish last, but most times you were, mm. you were having the win. And I remember sitting there in that room and I'm going, this Trevor Hendy guy, I'll just have to chat to him one day. And then sure enough, probably about 20 years later, uh, I did get to share some great conversations with you. So I'm really excited to share um, you with with our audience because particularly we have like a very professional corporate audience um, and I feel like uh, in the busyness of the corporate world there will be so much value that you'll be able to add um, so yeah so really looking to dig deep on that yeah, right? no, no. Uh, and one, one of the things I always admired about you is um, you know you have these personal values so maybe maybe come come at it from a point of view of how did you establish those personal values for yourself 
and what were the aha moments to get to them? Because I think we all try to get to that and live a life of authenticity, but it doesn't always happen with everyday life. So, yeah, I'd love you to share a little bit more about that. Yeah, thanks, Marty. I, I think I'll probably start by saying, you know, just pre prefacing what I'm about to explain with um, the, the later realisation in life that we are a multidimensional person, you know, so we have body, mind and soul. And body's the body. And the mind is this place where we make decisions and we measure things up against each other and we try and move forward and there's past and future and there's a lot going on in the mind. And then soul is this unconditioned, um, not bound by time, you know, as I'm talking about it, um, aspect of ourself, probably the deeper, more intrinsic aspect of who we really are. And it's something that, that sits there ready to be discovered when we've you know, finished with the pursuits of the body and they've even kind of got far enough into the pursuits of the mind to realise there's some other intelligence just beyond my mind. What is it? Oh, hang on, it might be my soul. You know, it might be the, the real me, you know, the observer, the the um, the person, that, that that aspect of our beingness that's on the outside. So when we talk values, I've never really done a, a values establishing exercise. So my dad left Victoria when I was three years of age. My dad, mum, my sister and myself, she was five years older. We packed up, sold the house, packed up everything into storage, and we traveled around Australia for two years because my mum said to dad, uh, sorry, my dad said to mum after work one day, look, firstly, everyone at work can't wait to go overseas and explore the world. Why wouldn't we want to explore our own country first? And secondly, he would say, I'm just not sure there's, there's something missing. I've got the best job, you know, beautiful house, beautiful family, the pets, the picket fence, the everything. And I don't feel complete. So, you know, right then in that moment, even though he didn't know it, he there was something at a soul level speaking beyond him, but beyond the mind to say, hey, mate, there's something beyond this. Like, you know, go and explore. So also he was being called the country, you know. Um, so he literally wanted to go see our country. But what did we do? We spent most of the time in the top two-thirds of Australia. And in 1971, that was, you know, everything above Sydney didn't have a lot of population in it, you know. So we spent most of our time traveling through that whole area and really we were connecting to country. We were, my dad would pull up on the side of the road and he would park the caravan. Mum would be cooking up literally rabbit that we'd caught or fish or, or whatever. And we would, and it's so funny now because I'm 52 and maybe I'm older. No, I'm 52, I think. 50, I don't know. How old am 53, something. Anyway. Um, we, you know, I think back at it now and I go, wow, it just seems like that not that long ago, you know. But um, when I'm saying my mum would be cooking out rabbit, that seems like a long time ago. But <laughs> but he would take us, my sister and I, walking off in the bush and then he would turn us around and turn different ways and we'd walk for 40, 45 minutes through the bush and then he'd say, okay, show me which way back to the caravan. And so I would be like four years of age, for example, and I worked out from the first time he did it that it's really important when you leave home to remember your bearings when you change direction and you do everything else and you go here and you go there so you can find your way home. So I never got tricked again. I could find my way home all the time. So if you look at it from a value perspective that that taught me from that demonstration was, firstly, home is not a picket fence in a house. Home is where the spirit in you feels that you need to be. That's home. Um, and that's a powerful one line in itself, you know. Um, Secondly, in that instance, that home is a caravan on the side of the road in the middle of the Northern Territory, for example. And so when I'm finding my way back home, 
um, home is where we are. So that was a, that's a really powerful value to grow up having demonstrated to you, not so much spoken, but just demonstrated, lived. Secondly, the fact this little example where we take us and turn corners and go over and explore different things and then we have to find our way back, that's actually the, what he was doing, the micro and the macro, that's what actually he was doing. So he'd left the home of Victoria and was exploring down all the tracks and everywhere else, but he knew where home was because he'd kind of taken it with him. You know, So he was teaching me that too, that in life I've messed up relationships and I've got you know, off 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 track with my own um ethics and you know deep ethics that i didn't even realize and but i always found my way back because of those key moments so what else did my dad demonstrate he demonstrated exploration and adventure he demonstrated um willingness to really be true to yourself no matter what anybody else thought because they all said he was mad so you know stand in your own truth rather than be dictated by the the group consensus so you know what are your top five values Standing in my own truth and not being dictated by the group consensus. So that's a, that's a you know I can't think of a word for it, but it's um you know being true to yourself basically, um, but all sorts of different things like turning over every stone, never giving up. Um, when the first day we settled on the Gold Coast when I was five, and at eight years of age, I got invited to Nippers, had to swim six laps across a swimming pool, and I cried at the thought as an eight-year-old, assuming against these other guys that looked all, you know, I'm, I'm used to just traveling around my family, minding my own business. I don't want to be competing with these people. But it's kind of funny that the, the great Iron Man cried at the first side of competition, but that was the truth of it. But what he did to me, and I think you've heard me tell this story before, one, one thing he did to me was um, he didn't make me do that swim. He said, come over here, and I, he held me, and we watched the other guys swim. And then they, where they left to go down the beach when all the laps had been done by the different age groups, they left to go down the beach. He said, now it's your turn. So he got me in the water to finish what I'd started, but he lowered the confront so it wasn't a trauma to me. So what that did was that created a, not only a, a, the value of never giving in um, and believing in yourself that you can do something, but it was also created this, this pattern of never giving in. You know, so my whole life, I've had a hundred significant times in my life when I've tried something, got knocked over and gone, whoa, 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 that was a bit traumatic or frightening. And I've backed away, but not turned away. I've backed away and looked at it, watched it, worked out how it was going on. Then I've gone, I've never quite felt complete until I've gone and finished what I started. And whether that's relationship or, you know, um, from even first relationship breaking up, first marriage, I was married at 18, 19 to, to Jackie. And when that broke up, even though that broke up and I moved, moved on to my beautiful relationship with my wife, Joe, that you know very well, um, I still had that intrinsic part of me that needed to complete that process with Jackie and restore that love and understanding for what went wrong, you know, and to ultimately end up becoming best mates again and, and to... To look after each other no matter what and to have each other's back you know which makes my two children you know christelle and tj from that relationship from that marriage feel like oh there's no one to choose here because they're on the same page you know We've, they completely got each other's back and our back and we don't have to choose it wasn't like that at the start but as i pulled away i actually had to come back and complete that and, and work out what does completion look like and how do i love you and support you in a new way in a new role but that actually made it so much easier and better to then be in my, in my new relationship, my beautiful relationship with Jo, because no matter where she goes or what she does, I've now got that, that 
um, sped up version of I've got your back no matter what. You know, it's not about whether we're together or not. I've got your back. What do you want to do next? So it's allowed me from learning that lesson, and, and that's another value that my father gave, was learn the lessons. It's allowed me to complete these big processes in life that trip a lot of people up. So I think my values um, were built from the things I was exposed to, but those things had to relate to something deeper inside of myself, which I would say is a spiritual thing, that I like being complete with people. I like watching other people win. You know, so after I won, I'm like, hang on, I've got to help other people win. That's what I really like. So I learned how to win, then taught it to others, and then it made sense. You know, it was felt vacuous okay. when I learned how to win. It was all for me, even though at the time I was loving it and the ego was fully entrenched and I was like sucking it up and, yeah, I'm a winner. You know, I, <laughs> it was a horrible shallow feeling when I stopped taking the sugar. It was a horrible downer after the sugar to go, oh, my God, the actual what you're really about is learning that lesson and passing it on. And that includes passing on the lesson about passing on the lesson, you know. So um, those values have all been established through experience and everything else. But me reflecting against life and the wonderful attributes in me or anybody else that's listening, that when they reflect with the wonderful attributes and opportunities in life, I think life becomes a boot camp for our soul and brings our deeper intrinsic values through. So long-winded answer, buddy, but um, I've never, no, I've never sat answer. down and done a values thing I've, i have actually said and go oh, what are my values and discovered them yeah i've actually like oh what are they wow and just written them oh they are on that I, I i never chose them to to find a path i always went what are they because they're already here well you, you've kind of answered a question to, for me in regards to um resilience mm. compared to alignment mm. and, and i can see with your experience with your dad like that's where the natural alignment kicked back mm -hmm. in but there's still resilience feels like it's more of a push whereas that alignment seems much more organic and but the 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 level of trust in self to come to that point because i'm sure you know everyone goes through their life journeys and their ups and downs and the lessons that they take out of it but there's certainly how, how did you learn to trust that instinct because i know even um nick riley and myself who's nick's the other host on the podcast as well as well as jason but one thing we talk about as friends is going, I know there's something more. Mm. And, and it's like there, there is this, this general curiosity, but you're in the day of business, you know, you get into that busyness, which sometimes can be good in regards to getting a result, mm. but sometimes can take you off your, you know, your genuine alignment as a person as well. So you've always got to monitor that. But it's, um, but that question is, I know there's something more. How did you learn to trust and explore that sense of something more and be okay with it? Oh, look, I've, I've almost got tears in my eyes. I can feel this upwelling of emotion, right? Um, because every time I get asked these questions, I get a deeper understanding of what the actual truth, my truthful answer is, not the one that I would like to everyone to think is my answer. Yeah. Like, what's the actual truth of that, of that answer to that question? And before I say that, resilience can be a, a noun and a verb. You know, so it's a verb in the pushing, but it's a noun in the recognition that it sits there inside of you when you have alignment. So with true alignment, you have, oh, I have resilience, you know, but then resilience is sometimes the verb where you actually, I, I adopt resilience to get through something. Um, so I just wanted to say that because it, it kind of relates to this is that how did I get to the point where I trusted knowing that there's more? Well, it was modeled by my father for starters, you know. 
how did he model that? You know, he left Victoria knowing there was more, you know, and so he taught me that, that true success with the, through his actions, true success is following that impulse um, to see where, where it leads. You know, so he, he created an amazing life for our whole family and my sister and myself. And then by virtue of the ripples of that, the life I've been able to create for my children and my, you know, partner and partners and, and grandkids and, and even friends and family and acquaintances in business and everything else. And um, the ripple out. From my father teaching me to trust that impulse through his actions to say it's not about where's the impulse going to lead it's about actually trusting it because the impulse is your life force you know is your your um your connection to source to to a greater source of energy too you know so um probably the second part of the answer is other than i probably got that from him and that it was already inside of me so he was helping me model it you know, um, as as I grow up in this world, because I I believe that we live beyond this lifetime. I believe this is not our first time. You know, first road out. You know, so so I, I feel there's a lot of things that come out of me that are like, oh, they've been around. They feel like they've been around for lifetimes inside of me. Um, but then, how many times did I doubt it, and how many times did I not follow it, or how many times did I back off halfway, recoil back a little bit, and go, no, come on, you idiot, finish it off. You know, um, plenty, plenty of times. Um, and each time I would back away from something that was meaningful to me, I would feel that that um, recognizable pang inside of myself that ah oh, oh, God, you you backed off, you know. And um, so I'd found found when I go towards it, it's not about whether I get the result or not. It's about was I brave enough to go towards my truth, you know, um, which is that that impulse is heading me towards. And as I've gone towards that. And that's, I think, where the emotion sat inside of me because it's the realisation that my father set me off on this path. And now I have a life that I'm just so in love with and so happy with and I have people around me that are so incredible and I have the opportunity to impact so many people um, through just exploration and discovery every day, every conversation, you know. So um, I think it's... For me, the idea that I've been brave enough to embrace what, where the impulse was taking me um, has been my coming of age personally, spiritually, to allow myself to feel who I really am and how much I do really love and how much I do really care and what I'm really about and who I, who I really am in the context of what difference do I want to make in the world and everything else. So I have a sense of fulfillment and connection to something greater and, and it sounds very dicky, but greater and more divine than just living and paying the bills and, you know, enjoying success and looking good. You know, an old spiritual teacher used to say to me, look, you're looking good going nowhere, you know. And uh, <laughs> it's like, don't worry about looking Great good. Response. Look like a dickhead as long as you're following what you're really about because you'll be going somewhere, <laughs> you know. And um, so I think that's the thing for me is that I, I feel very grateful and very blessed that, you know, my father's got dementia right now. And um, he slipped into it over the last seven or eight years. And he's happy dementia because he said everything he needed to say. And he, he, we had all the conversations we needed to between the four of us. And whew, it just brings a lot of um, emotion up in me, bro, that, that he's lived a life. He's slipping away, but he's doing it grace, gracefully and graciously and giving us time to say goodbye and recognize all, of, all that he's left behind. But what he's leaving behind in myself is that I found my way back to home, you know, and 
um, I'll be forever grateful for him for that. And and that takes courage to do that because the world says stick in the places that look shiny. You know, that's look like a winner, and then everybody will go away and leave you alone. But it's like, can you look like a loser and know you're you know in relation to what's popular, um, and know you're winning because you're actually being true to yourself? And that's been my great. My great success in life is to actually become my true, authentic self. Well, what a probably one of the most beautiful and significant responses to a question <laughs> I think I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> I, I think is, I could just sit here and cry, mate. You know, I just feel we've spoken as as you and I do. We come together in pretty powerful stages of life often, and I, 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 I it's just a stage of life right now where more big things that I'm working there's never been more big things that I'm working on both inside of myself and outside of myself coming together at the same time coming of age with so many things and I'm like oh wow I'm completing the big processes that have always tormented me inside and now I had to be myself in the world and really stand for what I believe in and that's as a result of all this so I, I feel that what a great time to chat and share this, buddy. Yeah, it's a beautiful time to chat. And I think about that authenticity even with um, Charlie, my son, and I listening to your story, I was reflecting upon um, he's playing the piano at the moment and the cello, and he's not getting the notes right. He's just <laughs> loving playing and entertaining, right? And everyone's going, I should get piano lessons. I go, no, 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 just let him, let him play. You know, let him play. And I had, while I was listening to you, uh, I remember doing piano lessons um, with a with a teacher that was actually teaching me on the organ, mm. and he said, "Oh, you're terrible at piano. You should you should not follow this mm. pursuit." But but what was happening was when Charlie was playing, I I just started playing like he comes the son from George Harrison mm. on the piano, mm. and I was watching it off YouTube and replicating the the chords, and I'm going, oh, "This actually sounds like the song." Mm. I'm going. Actually, I'm not so bad at this. Mm. And I'm going, it's amazing how those external influences, though, um, sometimes take away the magic if you're not listening. So thankfully, and and strangely enough, like Charlie really loves the Beatles, right? Yep. And I'm going, where is he getting this from? Like, you know, probably the greatest band ever, but he loves the collaboration of the four people coming together on a whole different level. Like, he just loves it. And I'm going oh, I listened to the Beatles up until the age of probably about nine or ten. Wow. And I'm going, so, so again, you know, that serendipity of, um, I remember buying a cassette called The Beatle Barkers that there were dogs barking the Beatles song. So that's a pretty <laughs> intense love of, of, of the Beatles, you know, really. But it, it's like, but, but that serendipity of that and sharing, but him teaching me the lesson of the pure enjoyment of just playing and now he wants to get lessons because he's at that point where he's coming to me wanting that mm -hmm. and i thought oh this is this is a real aha moment not just you know for me but also yes. he's teaching me so it's quite uh, bizarre but it came from the very granular love of music and collaboration and creativity and um you know really connecting to things in life and i think sometimes we we get we get educated. I don't know if we get educated or we just get told to get out of those 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 moments that we really connect to. But but you really do have to connect back in. But it was a great answer because even listening to you, I, I you know I'm feeling some shifts within myself in regards to going. Oh wow, it's um, mm. yeah, it's, very very it's powerful. There, and there's that word hovering around intrinsic again. You know, like 
that it's sitting inside of us, the, the, the music, you know, the low. I, I, I loved Elvis mm. Presley. I, I know where I was when he died. I was nine years of age in the goldfields of, of North Queensland, you know. Um, and, and so I, and there was something about him that I cried and cried when he died, you know, like, so we're connected. We have these intrinsic connections to certain people and things and, and they, you know, they do come out of us. So it's, um, it's a funny thing because I, I feel in the, in the happiness that I'm talking about or the, the joy or the contentment that I'm talking about in myself is that every bit of magic that I was looking for out in the world, I ended up finding inside of myself, you know, like it was a, it's like, oh my God, there's, oh wow, I really do care or wow, wow, I really have quite expansive creativity or we find magic inside of ourselves when we, you know, they, they say you look for love in all the wrong places. You know, mm, we find it in yeah. here and then we stop expecting people and things to complete us um, and we start feeling complete in ourselves because we have a direct connection to to this magic. If you're religious, you'd call it God. If you're a bit more sort of open like me, you'd probably call it spirituality or the universe or, or life itself or whatever. Um, but you feel connected to something divine and beautiful and, and, and powerful. But the crazy thing is when you feel it in yourself and you start to find it in yourself, and you're brave enough to find it in yourself and get past because your own mind tells you you're a lunatic and you're an idiot. So just get on with it and all the default settings come out when you go on the journey of working out who you really are. But when you get through and you break through and you stand, you find it in yourself. The crazy thing is once you find it in yourself, you see it in everybody. You know, once you find love inside of yourself, you actually see love in everybody and they can be absolute assholes to you. And you go, oh, I can see you. <laughs> but thanks for giving me that lesson, you know, like, Thanks for, you know, because they're all pushing us in, and, and life lines up in exactly the way it does. And some people give you a reward the moment they walk through the door and you just feel connected to them. Go, God, I love being around that person. Other people give you a reward in the, if you're willing to do the work because they give you back everything you don't want and you can't stand being around them. And you have to actually see that in yourself. And what is this and what is it until you can stand next to them and then their stuff and your stuff drops away and they go, oh, and they can see you finally, but you have to see them first, you know. So I find life throws all sorts of rewards and all sorts of challenges at you, but um, every one of them is for us. And I, I find when I found the love in myself and the honesty in myself and the, the willingness in myself, I see it in everybody, you know. And then it's not all the time I see it in everybody, but because sometimes you get caught out and you find another little bit of shit that you haven't let go of, you know. Um, but but it's there. That's fascinating to me because, like, even like I can tell internally that love of music um, and even comedy. Like I was talking to a comedian just the other week, and I haven't been in that that area for for a while now. Ben Price, and I felt like everything just went calm. Mm. It was just, it was different. I could feel it in my brain. It was a different part of my brain and my mm. being at that point, and there was a real calmness to it all. And I go, and it it, it actually did shift perspective on. How I saw other people because the music, uh, the music was back in a certain way, and yeah. sometimes you close these things off uh, because you're you're in a practical headspace. So that calmness, that is you, you know, that's that's who you are. And I'm doing one-on-one -on -one sessions with people a lot, and then when we break through the noise and everything else, and they go into that space, and they go, I can feel as soon as they go, and I go, What do you feel? And they go, Oh, I feel calm, or I feel space, or I feel lighter, or I feel yeah. freer. And they go, That's you that feeling that you're having mm. is you. And they go, oh, is this me? This is what the real us. So when I said it right at the start to give a context, body, mind, and soul, the, 
the body's very easy to see. It's right here. You know, you can tap it very easy. We go point to the mind, and we go, well, it's 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 here. It's it's in my head. Or some people, if you ask a bunch of kids or a bunch of adults the same point to your mind, you'll, they'll point to different spots because your thinking can be all over the place, and you start to realize, oh, your thinking is not located centrally in your brain. It can actually be hovering up here and over there, and you know, so your mind is free, is more expansive than the body, but it's still somewhere around here. And then you go point to your soul, and you go, uh, uh, you know. And and one thing I've learned is when you feel that freedom or that lightness or that space or that peace or whatever it is, that that stillness, that quietness, you know, you move into that space and acknowledge it because what you acknowledge, what you appreciate, appreciates. Giving talking of numbers and bank balances. Yep. It's the same spiritually. What you appreciate appreciates. What you focus on grows. Um, you know, what you resist persists. So if we can feel that space and go, rather than I'm having an experience of, of, of lightness, we can go, oh, I feel lightness and I, this feels like my natural place. He actually comes in and you start to realize that's who we are. And we can actually be in the middle of a challenging conversation and we can experience that lightness and go, oh, I can make this conversation go right because I'm coming from my full natural higher self rather than in, I'm not reacting to you. I'm actually with you and I can see you and I can see, oh, this thing that you're not and you're angry and da da da. No, I'll just stay with you until you come through that. And then, you know, and then I go, oh, I feel better. Thank you. Thank you. Because we didn't do anything but stay in that space and recognize that music that you tapped into that lightness is you. Yeah. And I feel like, like obviously working, you know, in, in various fields and corporate worlds, um, you know, for me, it's always bringing that lightness to any situation. So I go, you know, if, if, if I don't know, there's something about that energy that just resolves any anger or any any problem actually, or allows you to get through to a, to a solution a lot quicker. Mm. So it's like, and 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 particularly working with a lot of young people, like I'm mentoring young people in the businesses. A lot of it is just um, realigning themselves with their confidence to move into an experience rather than to avoid an experience mm. uh, like you were saying go towards it, it's it. um yeah, yeah really go towards it and have the experience mm. rather than just be fearful without having mm. the experience and once they've had that experience and they build some confidence around it because you can always find information after you've had the experience to to work through it or whatever you need or get support uh but yeah that that's a big one because at least people can trend forward uh, instead of going into avoidance or feeling they're not good enough or mm. whatever the case may be, but yeah, it's it's a real it's a real interesting one and and something that triggered for me as you were talking was um, almost at some level an undeservedness of that space mm. of hitting that space, and I feel like it was almost not being able to align a financial number to that space mm -hmm. it's like the world will be out of control almost from how <laughs> you know you usually operate and i mean these are the sort of great conversations i love having with you because you know you you know it like i've done enough work to know it's there right mm. but just in talking about it, it and i know you went through a real challenging time in your own life financially mm. but you learned some great lessons in regards to even being in alignment and earning money in flow as opposed mm. to potentially what it was previously. So maybe for our listeners, just go through that because it would have been a, 
horrendous time at the time, but how you came out of that with new awareness and, and what you did to have that financial well-being, mm-hmm. which I think doesn't start from the numbers, starts from you, like you said. Yeah, yeah. If I make a lot of money, then I'll be happy. Or we could turn it on its head and say, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm truly happy, I probably would make a lot of money, you know, um, if you flip it on its head. But I, um, won, I won a lot of money and I earned a lot of money through sponsorship and everything else through Ironman career. And in the year 2000, I, and, and through that period of time, everything was win at all costs. You know, win and it's all worth it. Win, get the title, hold on to the title, get the sponsor. So it was all coming in from this tight place of hidden insecurity that if I can win, I can maintain my respect amongst people. I can, you know, get the girl, get the job, you know, get the get the uh, the, the top dollar, um, uh, maintain my sense of, you know, control over the situation. So really I was fearing being out of control, insecure, feeling like the little bullied kid that I was when I was younger. So I, I never resolved that. I just patched it up through winning. So winning became a trap because the more I won, the more I pretended that I was actually, I'd moved beyond this insecure little kid, but actually all I'd done was cover it up So and, and blew it up. So in, in the end, I had to, in the year 2000, so an accountant asked me, you know, do, do you want to do this? Oh, yeah, just does it give me more money now? Does it, you know, signed off on this and signed off on that, blah, 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 because it was win at all costs. I didn't really worry about the costs. I just wanted to win. You know, do I got enough money to go on my overseas holiday? You know, whatever it was. So there was no care associated with money or property or, or whatever else. It was easy come, easy go because um, the energy that I was coming from was very flippant and very as long as I win, it doesn't even matter because you can all, you know, rah, rah, it's like quite aggressive underneath it. But I presented a beautiful, you know, shop front to the world. But deep back behind it, I was like, desperately insecure and therefore desperately controlling so that that would never come out. No one would ever see it. This is all subliminal, subconscious. I wasn't aware of it. You know, it wasn't until I unpacked it and pulled it apart. I went, wow, what a mess you were, you know, at the top of the game and a complete mess, you know. Um, Unbelievable. So so it was so powerful to pull it apart because the same impulse came through. There's more to it than this and, you know, and then I followed the impulse and you've got to get through the courage of actually saying, well, I'm actually going through a public breakdown, you know, my this persona I've built up to be bulletproof is now going to be pulled apart and in front of everybody, and I'm the one pulling it apart because I have to, you know. Um, so I actually went through bankruptcy in the year 2000, and I got on the front foot and I put out a press release because I knew it would pop up in court records or whatever, and someone would pick up on it and they'd write a story. So I just went, put it out there with my manager at the time, and said, "Let's just talk about it because, God, it was so scary, but actually." It was the greatest lesson, you know, because what was I really bankrupt was I was I was morally bankrupt, I was spiritually bankrupt, I was ethically bankrupt because I'd been spending so much time trying to be the one that I wasn't myself, you know, and so it all fell apart and everything that I'd won through that method I had to lose to get the lesson that were you know, I would lose until I got the lesson. I didn't have to lose to get the lesson, but I would lose until I got the lesson. If I could get the lesson sooner, I'd probably keep some of it. So I lost whatever degree of it through bankruptcy. You know, it was the most beautiful feeling to stand. I actually did um, John Laws and I chatted to um, Kenny Sutcliffe back then and different people and, and just they were looking at me with a, the look of horror that someone that I had great respect for, horror and concern and compassion that I'd 
been, you know, I'm, I'm going through the ringer and because they, they cared about me as a person because I'd always given that to anybody I'd ever worked with. So John Laws, for example, is sitting there asking me about the bankruptcy and everything else and da-da-da-da. And I'm saying, mate, you know, and as he's asking me about it, I recognise that, that just in John, like in anybody, he's asking me because he can relate to certain aspects of it, you know, and he's asked, and the things that he was more concerned about for me, the things that he'd be concerned about for himself or his own family. So there's this real element of understanding. Thank you, beautiful, you beautiful man for asking me these questions, you know, because I get a chance to answer them to you honestly, but I know that I'm right now I'm just answering to you, to him, you know. I had this moment where I started having an out-of-body experience in the middle of the interview. I'm going, oh, the world was all rocking and shaking. And then he's going, oh, and he's saying, anything we can do for you, you know. And I, and I realized, <laughs> I realized there's this cathartic moment, almost like a squeeze, like a, a rebirth through your biggest fear to that people might see me as inadequate or insecure or, in, you know, hopeless or whatever, to realize as I, as I went to that lovingly and, and, and volunteered to go there, these people, that amazing, you know, interesting, fascinating people are saying to me live on air, um, I've got you back. How can I help you? What can we do for you? You know, is there any way I can ever help, can bring you on the show for anything? And I realized that the world can take everything away from you when you're not being true to yourself. And when you're being true, when you finally find a way to be true to yourself, it will offer to give it all back to you in a better version. And that's literally what happened to me. I lost everything and I gained everything, you know. And from that moment on, every dollar that came in, it was never a dollar. It was always a service. It was always an exchange. It was always a form of appreciation that some that we'd utilized a dollar currency or what contra or whatever to say thank you. And I just fell in love with serving people and serving with the world and even serving my own growth, you know, to a greater degree. The lesser aspect was I then went through years of struggle of trying to work out exactly how, what that all meant and how much of myself could I keep in the equation and I had to just keep, you know, as Eckhart Tolle says, take every, once you go through the awakening process, it'll continue for, for most people, continue for a long time. Take every opportunity you can to deconstruct your ego. Wow, my God, you know. Um, thousands and thousands of deconstructions and bricks pulled out. I'd built up quite a strong one, you know, and I finally recognised that in the end of it that it's only the ego that wants to get rid of the ego, you know. Um, the, the spirit just goes, ah, oh, let it be there, whatever. It got no, and it just the ego fades away, you know. Um, but the more we try and get rid of it to look good or look better, it's just the ego coming in the back door, you know. So, so the money thing was an amazing thing because once I let go of of how it defined me or its its connection to my success, um, it comes through all sorts of amazing forms. I, I cannot believe. So I now refer to, I don't even really refer to money as much, but I refer to it as abundance and flow, you know, and the and exchange. And the world just says, I, I can look after you so many more ways than, than you believe if you let go of this concept that money is the sole solver of all problems, you know. If I be true to myself, I'll get the money and then I'll be able to be free. It's like if you're true to, true to yourself, you'll be free. And then life will give you whatever you need to continue the path of being more true to yourself has been my experience. Yeah, tremendous awareness. The power of then instead of the power of now. <laughs> and I think, I think, I think that's what everyone lives by. I go, when I get that, I'll be happy. When I get that, be happy. You get it, you go... Oh, actually, it was about the it was about the process anyway. Well, like, once again, <laughs> like what the like the beauty and the humility in being able to sit and share it, and and why did I build the Ironman so no one could see my frailties, which 
I didn't want to see myself. You know, it was deep, deepest fear, but they weren't real anyway. They were, the frailties are our beautiful aspects, you know. So actually in the end, I had to go out and front up to say, hey, I'm not the winner, you know. I'm not the loser either. I'm just the guy on a journey, you know. And, um, and then what that gave me is everything I really wanted, which was to be connected to people, have a sense of love and community and connection and awareness. And I got everything I needed by failing, you know, but failing honestly and failing openly. And, and it set me on a path of actually being able to be, to live true to the moment rather than have to feed the, the need to look a certain way. I'm just uh, contemplating as you speak our listeners listening in right now because even even financially, you know, there's whoever's the provider, whether it's male, female, um, it, it's um, there's a lot of responsibility and stories I think that uh, have been put upon people in regards to that. So to listen to your story of actually going through that, that would be a genuine fear for a lot of business mm. owners, a lot of professionals, where they would not ever think to pivot in regards to listening to their authentic self you know i think uh i think they're almost shackles and uh, and i think that that just gave a great demonstration of how you can come through something like that and not everyone is, is going to be potentially in that bankrupt stage but they could be thinking that that could happen right yeah. if they take their foot off the gas or or whatever their concept is so so just to get that awareness of knowing that whatever happens you can come through the other side as long as you're honest and transparent with yourself and curious as to what that that adventure is for you it's uh it's it's a very powerful very powerful thing i think uh people will be taking away from right now i think so uh, yeah i think um the, you know what's the opposite of abundance scarcity you know and um when you feel abundant you feel open and alive and you feel giving when you feel scarce you feel tight and fearful and worry and you grab on and you attempt to get control back and we're not our best self when we feel scarce you know so can we open up when one of our resource, you know, lines of resource is feeling scarce, you know, money's tightening or, God, the, the house value's dropped or the interest rates are coming up, can I stay open at that point in time and, and stay open so I can follow my intuition and find my guidance out of that situation into or through that situation into a better situation? Because it's the openness. I love Einstein's quote. It, roughly it says, um, you cannot solve a problem on the same level of mind it was created. So. If you're in tightness, you can't get out of it through tight thinking, you know. So um, it's how to loosen yourself up to arrive at the place you really want to arrive at, which is a looser place where you where you're much more free. And I think for a lot of people, I certainly often say, as my teacher said to me, "Don't believe anything I say." But um, for a lot of people, uh, money is tied to lessons around self worth and self. And so for a lot of us there seems to be the lesson that we will lose it if we don't get the lesson. So if you value it greater than the things that are truly valuable to connection, your breath, your life, your expansiveness, your consciousness, your, your freedom to explore ideas and possibilities, your love of others, your humility, your forgiveness for others, they're, they're much more powerful than money. They'll take you anywhere in the world, those things. So if you're at a stage of your life spiritually, for whatever reason, that those things need to come out, um, you might find yourself in a situation where you will lose the money if you don't get the lesson because you'll hold on to the money thinking it's the most important thing. But if you can let it go quicker, you won't have to lose it to get the lesson. 
yeah, get the lesson. Mm. There's no point having a nice house with no one in it. Yeah, and that's right. And including you, you could lose others through it too. Including yeah. no one in it, including yourself. You're in the house, yeah. but you're not really there. You're, you're somewhere else because you've trained yourself for years and years to always think of where can I get to next. So you're never here. So what's the use of having the house? You might have already have the house and have the family and not be in it because you're trying to hold on to it. So you just become disassociated with yourself. You're just disconnected. And if you're disconnected to yourself, you're disconnected to your higher self, to life, to all of your truer, deeper impulses that are going to make you the better father, mother, partner, sister, friend, brother, you know, whatever it is um, that, that you really need to be if you're not connected to, to that higher self because you're still trying to lock away based on an old belief system that I've got to hold on to this. And you only have to tell. I love there's two things that I want to say. One was, um, you know, there's an old Christ saying, and, and I'm not religious, but I love exploring the truth in all these different things. And, and one of the things that he reportedly said was, um, know, the tr- know ye the truth and the truth shall make you free. We convert it to know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so you think about it, you go, if the truth sets you free, um, if you reverse engineer that statement, if I'm not feeling free, then whatever the thinking is behind it can't be the truth. So if I'm if I if if you think I'm chasing the money or the job or the thing all the time, and you tune it, you just slow down and go, just be true to yourself, be brave, be true to yourself in a moment. Do you feel free in this pursuit? You go, no, I feel tight. Well, then therefore there must be something untruthful in this pursuit. Not that the pursuit's not good, but the, but the idea that I won't be free until I've got the money or until I've got the rides, until I've got the job. You know, so we're looking, so looking for love in all yeah. the wrong places. Hence, we're not free. Yeah, that's so brilliant. I feel like sometimes the externals have have created such a lie that you end up believing that um, <laughs> you you really gotta you gotta readjust <laughs> to come back to yourself. You so it's so true because it's uh you can be taken off into so many different tangents in this world. And I think it's been pretty confronting even the last two years with what we've been through with people locked down and away from people, not interconnecting. I'm still seeing the ramifications of that, of people just being more isolated and not wanting to um, just engage with their fellow teammates and human beings because they've almost been siloed. And and I feel like, you know, all of that, yeah, I think people are a bit more self-reflective though because we've seen people go to regional areas and sort of ask better questions as well. But it's been really disruptive. So I'll be interested to see how we come out in 2023 now uh, and into the back end of this year with people sort of getting back into the flow. I've got to say something on that, Marty, and that is that there's a – I'm just don't believe anything I say, but there's a fairly high percentage chance that the next two years are going to bring a whole lot more other challenges. And if we scratch below the surface of apparency and what the media tells us and everything else, and we scratch below all the the, the humans yep. all getting fighting for what's right and blah, 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 and you get down below it into what really might be going on, there's a fair chance that the, the war that's being fought overseas right now is is somewhat of a proxy war. There's elements of it that's, that you know don't add up. There's all sorts of stuff going on, and we're morally connecting to one side or the other, blah, blah, blah. But what at the at the as a result of that, we're going through a global supply crisis, you know, which is off the back of COVID and everything that happened there. We've now got this pressure on fuel prices, on supply around the world. Um, there's going to be shortage. It's going to put massive pressure on the global economy. There's new levels 
of potential recession that we're going into, inflation that we're not prepared for, particularly in the US and other countries around the world. And there is an argument to say that there appears to be some people ready, poised to say, that's all right, we'll have a one world economy and a one world government, blah, blah. So without going into crazy conspiracy whack theories, if you just scratch below the surface, you go, this is a curious thing if you just observe rather than buy in. If you, if you don't jump on and, and buy into what's right and what's wrong and what I can see and just be open to viewpoints, you start to go, something curious going on here. My mum said to me the other day, oh, it's good to see the unleaded prices have come down, you know, for the car by 10 cents or so. They're, it's only a smaller margin, but it's coming down. I said, mum, that's interesting that you noted the unleaded prices come down, but did you notice that diesel prices are continuing to go up? Said so. While you might be feeling a little bit of relief because it's costing you less to put money in your car, petrol in your car, every other single service, every other single good that you're buying is more expensive because diesel prices, which is even cheaper to produce than than um, unleaded, is actually still going up. So it's a dollar ninety five to two dollars thirty five, right? And you go, oh well, that's because of oh, if you look at market pressures and supply and demand and everything else, you don't worry, don't worry how it was created or why it was created. Have a look at what's happening. Is that fruit price? Everything is transported by diesel, right? Other than by air, you know. Um, so, so there's fascinating little undercurrents going on, and I firmly believe and firmly feel that the last couple of years set people up to start to expect government to handle their problems even more. And the idea of mandates and lockdowns, and they'll solve them. We've solved it. We got out the other side. It's like we've we've created a bit of a collective thirst among some to say. If you've, you've got the answers, just fix it for us. Just give me back my holidays and give me back my – as long as I get Friday night football and a new electronic device every 12 months or 24 months and, I don't know, maybe a bit of fashion and porn, gambling, whatever you want, whatever makes me feel good, which I, I can talk about it because I know all those things. Um, I, I have a sense that a lot of us aren't taking full responsibility so we, we, we want the world to complete us and we want the economy to be healthy, healthy and robust so it can feed me and serve me. But I do, I do have this sense of, oh, there's, a, there's a, a high percentage of chance. I reckon it's probably two-thirds chance we're going to go into the most challenging time that we've experienced as a, as a global economy in the next two to five years. And there are certain people that are ready to, to make great money off that and good on them, whatever, you know. But... Um, but it's certainly going to be a time where people need to know what's really valuable and what's not. And I think it might be a time where a global awakening continues and people start actually seeing the value in their neighbour more rather than they don't even look over that fence and start picking up the newspaper for them while they're away. We don't have newspaper anymore, do we? But, you know, mow the lawn or whatever. Um, I think we're going to go back to cottage industries and people connecting more and stuff like that because... Certainly, that area is going to grow. I'm not sure how much it will take over the way we trade with each other around the world, but I think um, things are changing. Stuff's going to happen. So it's funny that you say the last two years ago, I reckon that was the start of about a seven-year cycle, you know, and the next two to five is going to be all about how we view a shifting economy and who's right and wrong in the world and who are the villains in the world and who's actually creating all this, who's actually really pulling the strings to make these things happen, you know, and who could actually give away a bit of their money to actually put a little bit of, you know, equity in there somewhere. So anyway. Uh, I like the perspective. I like the perspective. And as we, we always have to 
try and pivot through challenge. So I'm sure eventually we'll come out better on the other side if we take personal responsibility in it all. But uh, Trevor, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna wind up because we're we're coming to the end of the discussion. Yep. And usually I would ask a question, but knowing you, I would like you to draw something from yourself to share with the audience as some parting words. You know, I believe that everyone has everything they need inside of them, you know, and life is going to reflect back to you like a house of mirrors, all of the good and bad parts in yourself. And there was a saying I came across when I was in the midst of being an Ironman, and I looked at it and went, what does that mean? And it plagued me until I understood it. And the saying was, you cannot love or hate something about someone else unless you love or hate it about yourself. And I, it took me a long time to realize, so love or hate about myself, but I wasn't aware that I loved to hate it. But actually, we react to things in other people that are actually inside of us, both positive and negative. God, I love that person. I love the way it's just so reliable, and we love that about ourselves. You know, We don't even realize we're talking about ourselves. God, that person really gives me the shit. So you can just never trust them. They talk about people behind their back, you know, which we're actually doing in that moment. You know. Um, there's, there's always an aspect of what we're resisting um, that's inside of us and therefore it persists because we haven't seen it, so we haven't forgiven it. And there's always an aspect of what's beautiful out in the world that we can see it out there but we don't see it inside of ourselves. If we're brave enough to see both of those things, you know, see our foibles and see what's not right with us or so-called wrong with us or not, you know, that could be improved, but just laugh at it and be with it and say, yep, oh, wow, I'm a bit of a dick when it comes to that, you know. That's a massive freedom in that. But then the second part is that you have to let in the capability and the possibility of who you really are. And I love Nelson Mandela's you know, inauguration speech written by Marianne Williamson, actually, which was the first part of it was our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that, fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's our light, not our darkness, that frightens us most. We ask ourselves, who am I to be talented, fabulous, rich, something like that. Um, I ask you, who are you not to be, you know? And so it's something along the lines of, you know, the light of God, God shines in you as you find, liberating yourself, you live automatically liberate others, you know? Um, I think the biggest job people have in their life is to actually, to be them, their true self, their whole self, their sensitive self, their expressive self, their quirky self, their nerdy self, their, their full expression and, and break all the shackles and break out of the rules. And don't worry about what anyone else thinks. Don't ask for a safe space. Create it, you know, by being it no matter what, whether people judge it or not. Because that's how you set, you don't only set yourself free, you set others around you free at the same time. And then when you do that, life becomes the most magical, mystical experience. So um, off the cuff, that's what came out of my mouth when you asked me to share something. But the magic's inside of you. And I, I say when I sign up on videos and that I do, you know, um, never underestimate the power. Bring it into now and never underestimate the power of who you are. Forget the past, forget the future. Everything you need right here, right now. Know that it's all presenting back to you to learn something and you're going to go through shit, you know. And I say to people, there's a three-part thing I always say, and that is number one, every moment is a living moment. If you really want to break free, recognize it's a living moment. You've got an opportunity to choose right now that can set you down a cascade of, possibilities and pathways that open up to you just because you're brave enough to step into it and some of the great things that you want to go towards you'll never pull off until you step into the into the truth that you want to go towards it and make the decision to go towards it before you even know how to do it but by deciding you truly want it and honoring it in yourself the light that you require inside of you 
to pull it off comes into you because you decide I'm going to do it anyway, even though I don't know how. And then it becomes easy to do. And because now I know, oh, so it starts with decision and ultimately it finishes or crushes, crosses the line to where you break through with willingness. So number one is every, every moment is a living moment. Number two is shit happens. That's your opportunity. And number three is all you have to do is find yourself, you know, know yourself, trust yourself, follow your intuition because this journey is designed to set you free. And I say to all the people I work with at the moment that the victim says this is happening to me, the master says it's happening for me because we know at that level, no matter how challenging it is, it's making me better. And that's it's teaching me more about myself, um, what I'm truly capable of. And that's the end result is this is a gift. Trevor Andy, you are a beautiful human being. Give my best to Joe, the family. Thanks, buddy. And um, I, I just love your journey. Every time I chat to you, I obviously get uh, big aha moments myself. And I know the uh, Numbers Game audience will, will get so much out of this discussion. So thank you for sharing yourself and your wisdom with the world. Thanks, buddy. <laughs>